Hello, friends. My name is McCall, and welcome to an Unboxing God bonus, bonus episode. Yes, that's right. We've got two bonus episodes this week, and I'm glad you're here. In last week's episode, I had mentioned William James and how he and the founder of AA, Bill W., had quite a bit of overlap. Now, let me tell you a little bit more. I think I've mentioned William James's name several times now, the guy who wrote Varieties of Religious Experiences, and kind of started me on a spiritual exploration and a desire to connect with something I didn't really even believe in. And you've also heard me talk about Bill W., the founder of AA. In fact, if you listened to last week's episode, I mentioned a lot of the similarities between William James and Bill W., Bill Wilson. And I also mentioned that I would soon be dropping a bonus episode exploring some of that overlap. Well, imagine my surprise when finishing up my research, I stumbled upon an article. It was written by Bob Kay from Alcoholics Anonymous, and it basically is exactly what I wanted to tell you guys and then some about these two gentlemen who have significantly affected my life. I will share a link to the full article in the show notes at unboxinggodpodcast.com for this episode. It begins with this foreword. William Griffiths Wilson, a.k.a. Bill W., the acknowledged founder of Alcoholics Anonymous, or AA, says in many of his writings that William James, through his book, The Varieties of Religious Experience, A Study in Human Nature, from 1902, was a co-founder of AA. Despite this, William James and his work do not appear to be well-known within the circles of individuals interested in alcoholism and recovery, from Alcoholism Through AA, the premier recovery organization. This article seeks to provide the reader with a description of Bill Wilson's pivotal spiritual experience and similar experiences cataloged by James. Then James's major ideas on spiritual experience are outlined, followed for comparison by a similar outline of the main ideas of Alcoholics Anonymous from 1939. The discussion traces the impact of James's ideas on AA's early development. It is to be hoped that this discussion will stimulate a renewed interest in and broad discussion of spiritual experience and its role in recovery. For better or worse, whether real or imagined, drug-induced or brought about by the most desperate need, Bill Wilson's spiritual experience at Towns Hospital is perhaps the foundation point of Alcoholics Anonymous. Shortly before the famous hot flash, Bill's old friend, Ebby, had laid out the Oxford Group's plan of recovery, which had been successful for him. This included the instruction to, quote, pray to whatever God you think there is, even 
as an experiment. There's some interesting phrasing that was used to describe this event in Bill's story. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. Two decades later, the role of imagination is even more strongly insinuated. It seemed to me in the mind's eye that I was on a mountain. Bill's recounted experience bears an astonishing resemblance to that of his paternal grandfather, who almost 60 years earlier climbed nearby Mount Aeolus and was relieved of his alcohol obsession. We do not know Grandpa Willie's blood alcohol content on the day in question, nor do we know how long he may have stared at the bright light of the sun in his search for God, but we do know that Mount Aeolus was quite aeolian, or windy. The next day, more light dawned. Bill could never remember exactly, but was inclined to think that Ebby, visiting again, brought him a copy of William James's The Varieties of Religious Experience. What Wilson got, or thought he got, from the book was to prove significant to the history of Alcoholics Anonymous. Here, in a book written by the country's most eminent psychologist, was confirmation of the efficacy of what he had experienced. The book was not easy reading, but I kept at it all day. By nightfall, this Harvard professor, long in his grave, had, without anyone knowing it, become a founder of Alcoholics Anonymous. Spiritual experiences could have objective reality. They could transform people. Some flowed out of religious channels, others did not. Complete hopelessness and deflation at depth were almost always required to make the recipient ready. The significance of it all burst upon me. Deflation at depth? Yes, that was it. It's of course somewhat a shame that the deflation at depth phase is nowhere to be found in Mr. James's book, however. Neither this expression nor the bare word deflation appears anywhere in varieties. On the other hand, Wilson apparently did not note, and certainly did not cite, what was in James, the openness to explicit religion. The only cure for dipsomania is religiomania. Second, if there is one key word as well as concept in varieties. It is not deflation, but conversion. There was a utility in Wilson's attaching AA to William James. This underlined linkage with a major figure in American intellectual history was therefore eminently useful to him. He made pragmatic use of the pragmatic James with all the helpful connotations of this to those looking for results, for the cash value of the idea of Alcoholics Anonymous. The pluralism of William James was also valuable as AA moved forward selling itself as a spiritual, quote, big tent. The varied stories of religious conversion in varieties have a commonality of precipitating conditions leading to an appeal to a higher power for help. 
Describing his initial reaction to James's book, Wilson wrote, I began to see that all the experiences cited, or at least nearly all of them, had certain common denominators. The first was calamity. Nearly every recipient described had met utter defeat in some controlling area of his life. Each had been in despair and seen no way over, under, or around. The next condition was the admission from the very depths of being that defeat was utter and absolute. The influence on the big book's ABCs is patently obvious. Our description of the alcoholic in the chapter to the agnostic and our personal adventure before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. C, that God could and would if he were sought. Now, let's look at William James. A. Calamity. B. Admission of absolute defeat. And C. Appeal to a higher power for help. It is worth noting that in Bill Wilson's analysis of varieties, God is optional. Sort of. This appeal could take innumerable forms. It might be accompanied by a faith in God, or it might not. But an appeal, it had to be. The cry for help could course through religious channels, or a despairing agnostic could look at a growing tree and reflecting on how the tree could respond to the law of its own nature, and he, the human, could not. He might raise his voice to the God of nature. William James was no alcoholic, but he had issues. The evidence indicates that clinical depression was endemic in the James family. His father, Henry James Sr., was a 19th century intellectual who consorted with Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of my favorites, Thomas Carlyle, William Makepeace Thackeray, and Walt Whitman. The elder James was a liberal, an opponent of slavery, a proponent of radical ideas regarding education, and a supporter of the utopian socialism of French philosopher Charles Fourier, who is credited with having originated the term feminism in 1837. A substantial inheritance from an entrepreneurial father provided the freedom to live and philosophize as a, quote, man of leisure. Henry Sr. married Mary Robertson Walsh in New York City in 1840, and in time, they had five children, William, born 1842, and Henry James Jr., born 1843, followed in their father's footsteps as men of letters. Henry was the author of The Ambassadors, Daisy Miller, Turn of the Screw, Portrait of a Lady, and other works that were both critically acclaimed and popularly received. Two younger brothers served in the Civil War. Garth Wilkinson, born 1845, died in his 30s of combat injuries, while Robertson, born 1846, was a writer of minimal achievement, remembered by history as a ne'er-do-well and an alcoholic. 
Alice, born in 1848, was a diarist whose achievements were deep in the shadows of her two oldest brothers. Henry Sr., William, Henry Jr., and Alice all suffered from severe bouts of depression that reduced them to, quote, invalidism. Following the severest of breakdowns, Henry Sr. seems to have mitigated the effects of his depression with a religious conversion to and passionate enthusiasm for Swedenborgianism, which I actually mention in the very first episode of this podcast as it relates to Helen Keller. Coincidentally, this was the religion of Lois Wilson and her forebearers. Notwithstanding the newfound sense of purpose, Henry Sr. remained a somewhat dark and erratic character. The descriptions of various biographers indicate that he was possibly bipolar. Alice James died at 43, ending a lifetime of severe emotional breakdowns and confinements, having never found any significant relief from her physical and psychological problems. Her brother, Robertson, seems to have done better with his own self-medicating practice. He managed a well-lubricated survival into his 60s. Thus, the writings of William James concerning debilitating difficulties were not of a theoretical or hypothetical nature, but bred of personal and familial experience. It's not a fluke that he one day authored a book offering a solution for calamity. The eldest child of Henry James and Mary Robertson Walsh was born on January 11, 1842. William benefited from the family's views on cosmopolitan education and many trips to Europe. He acquired a fluency in both French and German. In early adulthood, William James suffered from a variety of physical ailments, psychological symptoms, and neurasthenia. There were periods of enervating depression and suicidal ideation. More than once, his education was interrupted by, quote, rest cures, but he completed an MD degree in 1869. I originally studied medicine in order to be a psychologist, but I drifted into psychology and philosophy from a sort of fatality. I never had any philosophical instruction. The first lecture on psychology I had ever heard being the first one I gave. James spent almost his entire academic year at Harvard, beginning as an instructor in physiology, then anatomy, and later rotating between psychology and philosophy until he retired in 1907. His, quote, soul sickness seems to have been resolved in 1872 from a combination of extensive philosophical searching and enthusiasm for his nascent academic career. His later philosophy points towards the acceptance of spiritual beliefs that ran counter to his intellectual learnings, but proved useful. In some very real sense, he copied the spiritual experience of his own father, having witnessed its worth, a very practical decision. 
William James was a prolific writer and ventured into several fields, epistemology, education, metaphysics, psychology, religion, mysticism. The mammoth Principles of Psychology from 1890 was a groundbreaking work in American psychology and a prominent text for decades. Human beings, by changing the inner attitudes of their minds, can change the outer aspects of their lives. His connection to Alcoholics Anonymous is most evident in his philosophy of pragmatism, the will to believe essay, and of course, the varieties of religious experience. Beliefs were a way of acting with reference to a precarious environment, and to say that they were true was to say that they were efficacious in this environment. James defined true beliefs as those that prove useful to the believer. A commonly heard AA bromide comes to mind. Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Plainly, all of the above is not a conference approved response. The will to believe doctrine allows one to assume belief in a God and prove its existence by what the belief brings to one's life. James sought to ground justified belief in an unwavering principle that would prove more beneficial. For Bill Wilson, facing a future of death or alcoholic insanity, the belief that supernatural force could and would rescue him had great utility, pragmatic value, and cash value. Pragmatists contend that the most philosophical topics are best viewed in terms of their practical uses and successes, rather than in terms of representative accuracy. Essentially, we have a recycling of Pascal's wager. William James and William Griffith Wilson had many things in common. Both suffered from depression that was at times incapacitating, likely genetically acquired, and exacerbated by unconventional child-rearing of self-absorbed parents. Both made practical decisions to seek transformation through spiritual conversion experiences, and to some very real extent, both were successful in this. Both men were fascinated by mysticism, psychic phenomena, and the occult. Wilson's interest in producing spiritual experiences led to experimentation with LSD, while James's investigations of mysticism led to the sampling of chloral hydrate, amyl nitrate, nitrous oxide, and peyote. Bill Wilson came to an incredible understanding of alcoholism, and William James was not without insight. The sway of alcohol over mankind is unquestionably due to its power to stimulate the mystical faculties of human nature. Usually crushed to earth by the cold facts and dry criticisms of the sober hour. Sobriety diminishes, discriminates, and says no. Drunkenness expands, unites, and says yes. It is, in fact, the great exciter of the yes function in man. 
William James abandoned a career in medicine to become, in the eyes of many, the father of American psychology. William Wilson was abandoned by a career in the stock market, but went on to become, in the eyes of many, the father of American recovery. Both men are spoken of by millions, decades after their deaths. Mr. James, by the way, died of heart failure on August 26, 1910. Both thought that the best solution to the most serious of life's problems was to abandon them to the care of a higher power. That certainly seems to work for some. We continue to debate the exact nature of how. Well, I hope you enjoyed that little story hour with McCall. If you'd like to reach out to me, all you need to do is send an email to waldolovesme at gmail.com. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really like us, share it with a friend. And we'll come back next Tuesday for a full episode of Unboxing God. Have a great week. Thank you.